Welcome to the Data Stack Show. Each week, we explore the world of data by talking to the people shaping its future. You'll learn about new data technology and trends and how data teams and processes are run at top companies. The Data Stack Show is brought to you by Rudderstack, the CDP for developers. You can learn more at rudderstack.com. Welcome to the Data Stack Show. We are recording on site at Data Council Austin, which is super exciting. Let's uh, talk about our first guest. We're in a little conference room here with all the mics set up, which is super fun. And we're going to talk with Ben from Firebolt. Now, Firebolt, Casas, is, I don't know if it's come up a ton on the podcast, but you and I have talked about Firebolt and it's a really interesting product. And all their marketing, you know, and even the name of the company is really focused on speed, of course. And so what I'm interested to know is when you talk about you know, blazingly fast analytics, for example, that can mean tons of different things. And, and specifically what I'm interested to know is, you know, it's impossible for a new-ish tool to be the fastest across the entire, you know, the entire sort of value chain, right? Like, as it relates to like data. So I want to know like where, what specific thing are they like super duper fast at, you know, or a couple of things that they sort of you know, stake their claim on. So that's what I want to learn. Like, and what does that look like under the hood? How about you? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's always interesting to see uh, companies going to market with a data warehouse solution. Uh, database systems are like notoriously difficult to build. Many, like many teams have tried and failed. They usually take like many years to get them to mo- on the market. So it's very interesting to learn more about like the whole journey of how they started and um, how they ended up at a state right now where pretty much like competing with other cloud data warehouse solutions out there like uh, Snowflake and uh, BigQuery. So I'm very curious about this journey and where the product is today, what is missing and what's next. All right. Well, let's dig in and talk with Ben. Let's do it. Ben, welcome to the DataStack Show. We're so excited to have you. You are a solution architect lead at Firebolt, and we're super excited. We've wanted to have you on the show for a while, and we caught up with you at Data Council Austin. So we're in person in Austin in a really fun way to do a show. So thanks for giving us some time out of your conference to spend on the show. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here and talk about data. Cool. Okay, so give us your background. How did you get into data originally? And then how did you end up at at Firebolt? Yeah, so I've been in the data space my entire career. I kind of got pulled into it and started out of college, thought I was going to be a Java developer. Worked at a company that decided I was better suited as a database administrator. So I was a Microsoft SQL Server database administrator for a few years. From there, I went to uh, work at Hortonworks back in the days prior to Cloudera. Mm-hmm. I did consulting for Hortonworks for a number of years, specialized in streaming data with Apache NiFi. That kind of brought me into the streaming world. And then I went into work for a company called Imply with Apache Druid, some streaming data, big data projects. Worked briefly at a company called Upsolver doing streaming ETL. And that brings me to Firebolt, where I've been a solution architect for a little over a year now. That's super interesting. Yeah. So you've worked at a lot of companies that sort of built on like core technology, a lot of it's open source, which I definitely want to hear about. Tell us about Firebolt, though. 
Yeah. So uh, Firebolt is a cloud data warehouse in the vein of something like Snowflake, but our claim to fame is really fast analytical queries. Uh, so we are targeting use cases that need sub-second performance that are powering dashboards or powering visualizations that really benefit from low latency queries, high concurrency workloads. Super interesting. Give us a couple examples there because low latency or even real time is like, those terms are like really relative. Like some companies yeah. is like, what? Yeah, data every hour is real time, yeah. you know? So. so when we say low latency, I'm talking specifically on the query latency, not necessarily the data ingest latency. Yep. Got it. So okay. queries that, you know, when you load a page, it may send out 10, 15 queries. You want all of those queries back sub second. So that's the query latency. As far as the data load latency, we're not a real time data warehouse. Got it. Uh, do batch loads. So, you know, five to 15 minutes is usually the highest frequency that you're going to see. Obviously, we want to move towards real time. We're building out Kafka integration and things like that. That's going to be coming soon. But right now it's it's micro batch yeah. ingestion. Okay. So on the query latency, what are some of the use cases that require that sub-second query latency. Yeah. So we often see companies that have user-facing analytics where their business depends on their users being able to log in and actually see their analytics. We also see a lot of internal use cases like dashboarding, Looker, Tableau, those sorts of things where you want to be able to slice and dice your data hmm. and explore the data without waiting 15, 20, 30 seconds every time you issue a new query. Yep. Makes total sense. Okay, Costas, I've been monopolizing the conversation as I often do, but. Wow, no, no, no. That's so amazing introduction. So let's, let's talk a little bit about like how, what you did before. Sure. You know, to Firebolt, because you mentioned before Firebolt, you were working with Druid. Yep. As a technology. So there was like a lot of real time kind of like use cases that you were uh, working on. So how is Firebolt different on some yeah, great question. So the biggest difference is a separation of storage compute. So Druid requires the data to be loaded to the actual processing servers prior to being able to run a query. Whereas Firebolt, we aggressively cache data, but your first query can actually go fetch the data from your deep storage in S3. So you don't have to kind of wait for a cluster to start up and fetch all the data before you can query. And it allows you to spin up multiple, what we call engines, but it's really just clusters of compute resources independently of your data. So you can have, you know, if, if you're just doing a small amount of compute, but you may have lots of historic data, you can have all of that data stored in S3 and a fairly small amount of compute that's actually being utilized because you're only querying a small sliver of the data at any given time. Whereas Druid, if you want to have all of the data available for querying, you need to have all of the data loaded to the servers. So it's more efficient in that sense. Druid does have some advantages, no doubt, especially as it pertains to streaming data. Being able to query simultaneously your batch data and streaming data is really useful for those use cases that really require that sub-minute ingestion latency, um, as well as direct integration with, with Kafka is a real nice feature. That's interesting. And there is like a family of uh, like technologies out there where you have like, you must be known, but be known and it's your top gift cards, right? Yep. So three very, like they belong to the same category of like solutions. Yep. They're really used like for similar use cases. 
would you say the like firewalls like part of this family of products? Very intimately part of that, yeah. Under the hood, Firebolt actually is using some ClickHouse code for the compute engine. Oh, interesting. We're forked from ClickHouse. Now we use a completely different storage handler. So that's what allows us to separate storage and compute because otherwise ClickHouse does require the storage to be local. We also use a completely different query parser. So our query optimizations are all built in-house. And then there's some other tweaks and things like that. But the actual kind of engine, the computing the bits behind the scenes, that's all based on ClickHouse code originally. That's, that's super interesting. And it's why did thousands look like one of the other two, like? Yeah. Our reason, though. <laughs> a loaded question. <laughs> I'll do it, too. Yeah. So, so obviously, our goal, at least the goal that was told me, I started after the company was founded, so I can't be sure of these things, but... From the stories I've been told, the goal has always been to make a true full-featured cloud data warehouse. That means being able to handle all data warehousing use cases. And ClickHouse is kind of the best position to do that. Whether you're using Pinot or Druid, they don't have very good join support. And I guess both, well, I'm not sure about Pinot. Druid is, is Java-based. I think, yeah, I think it is also, and there's some overhead there. So being a C++ native application kind of gave ClickHouse the edge and having the flexibility to extend it and kind of build it into a full feature cloud data warehouse rather than kind of a, a specialty streaming solution. And how is that position firewall in the markets when you have like a couple of different components out there that they offer ClickHouse? Yeah, seriously. Always so I think that I, I don't think that we have a negative relationship. I think that those kind of ClickHouse managed services, people that are very familiar with ClickHouse very well, but ClickHouse is not a simple product to get in and use. Uh, Firebolt is built for simplicity. We we aren't just a wrapper for ClickHouse. We have less features than ClickHouse uh, because we want to make it user friendly and and stable and all of that. So we're we're not just a ClickHouse kind of fork. We are our own thing, although we're using the ClickHouse engine. But our SQL dialect is completely different. If you try to use a ClickHouse function in Firebolt, you're not going to have any luck doing that. So GitHub, for example, has this concept of like the table engines and the database engines. Yep. Is this something that like... Um, can be configured by the user of Firebolt, or this is like set by you and it's like part of how you optimize the engine to deliver the experience? Yeah, uh, great question. So yeah, there's no concept of those different table engines in Firebolt. We do have a concept of a couple different table types. So we have a fact table and a dimension table. Behind the scenes, what that means is a fact table is sharded across all of the nodes in the cluster, whereas a dimension table is replicated to all the nodes. On top of that, we have a couple different indexes. Uh, so we have, it's called an aggregating index, which is really just a materialized view that is always updated as you ingest more data. You can set um, your aggregations and your dimensions, very similar to like a Druid rollup in Firebolt. And then the join indexes, which is a in-memory join to really optimize performance. And our goal is to provide an out-of-the-box experience that everybody gets good performance. But if you have have specialty use cases, you know ahead of time exactly what aggregations are going to be done and you're going to be running those, you know, 
potentially hundreds of times uh, per minute, you can optimize for those specific use cases. That's very interesting. It's very, very, very smart. Like the way that, let's say, these features uh, are productized in a way. Yep. How you create like a product experience on top of like something that is, you know, like, thing like a materialized view or like how you distribute like we it's like a thing is going to be distributed or not and like all that stuff. Like that's very, I find this very interesting exactly because like that's exactly how like product works, right? Like you get what the customer tweets and then you map the technology stuff and you just like abstract into it. Yep. Nobody needs to know behind the scenes what's happening there. So that's, that's great. And okay. So having worked with Kickhouse, what's your favorite part of it? Favorite part of Clickhouse? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I am a big fan of the aggregating indexes because I come from an old school world of, of databasing where you created summary tables. You had, I used SQL server analytics services to build data cubes and summarize data and being able to get that same effect of pre-computing all of your aggregations but not having to wait for a nightly refresh and being able to build those on the fly, I think is really cool. And then the automatic query rewriting. So as your users are writing queries or your BI tools writing queries, it's going to automatically use the aggregating indexes that are available. And you can have multiple aggregating indexes or query plan will automatically choose the best one for the query. So, um, you know, that again, going back to my, history in Druid, Druid had a concept of roll-ups. So as you ingest data, it'll um, aggregate it to a certain granularity. The aggregating indexes allow you to do that same thing, except you can aggregate to multiple different granularities. You can aggregate on a field that isn't time-based like you need in Druid. So it's a lot more flexible and, but at the same time, kind of remaining user-friendly as opposed to rolling your own materialized view in another system. Yeah. And what's your favorite Firebolt addition Clickhouse? The query planner. Firebolt has its own query planner to optimize queries. Clickhouse has no real query planner. It does exactly what you put in. Hmm. Uh, so when you actually release your product to the world and people write queries and some of them are not optimized, sometimes they're doing massive joins and there's no push down or anything like that. So having the query planner automatically do those optimizations, use materialized views, use uh, the join indexes, all of that. Uh, that's a huge benefit over using just raw Clickhouse. How was the experience of like building this optimizer? I mean, the reason I'm asking is because I know that like it's one of the toughest problems in like database systems, right? Yep. And one of the hardest and probably like not something that can be solved like at the end, right? Like it's yeah, uh, very discussed topic like in computer science, isn't it? Not? So how, how was the experience of like building an optimizer? Well, you might have to talk to people that are slightly smarter than me because I didn't build the optimizer. But I think that it's a ongoing process. We're always uh, encountering new problems and finding new ways to optimize code. You know, frequently we get data from Tableau or Looker and it's generating queries. And we have to kind of understand what it's trying to do and then see if there's a way to do it better. Uh, and our solution architecture team, one of their core responsibilities 
is to take SQL code that customers are generating and find ways to optimize it. And then we provide that information back to our product and engineering teams so that they can build those optimizations back into the product uh, and ultimately kind of make it more user-friendly. Yeah, Yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that's why they're very interesting. That's both programming, like, uh, I'll tell you about, like, kind of feedback loop between how the customer experience drives something so deeply technical as an optimizer at the end. I think that's one of the most interesting things that, like, both engineering and product teams have to experience in working in product like Firebolt, which I find, like, really, really fascinating. So that's, uh, that's super interesting. So I'm interested to know the... Like, where does Firebolt fit into architecture? So you mentioned that you want it to be sort of a fully featured cloud data warehouse, right? Or that's yep. what it is. So, you know, which actually sounds different than maybe some of the language that we hear from Snowflake, a la like a data platform, right? That sort of includes a cloud data warehouse, but also has this constellation of other tooling around it. So when companies implement Firebolt, what I'd love to know is like, is sort of, what are the types of companies that are adopting it? And then how do they fit it into their architecture? Is it a replacement, you know, for sort of a a Snowflake or a Redshift or whatever? So yeah, just tell us how companies are fitting it into their data stack. Yeah, so I guess, as I mentioned, like we want to be a full-featured cloud data warehouse. I'll be the first to admit, we're not even there yet. We're a data warehouse with some very specific use cases that... Frequently, you know, we have customers that are coming from Redshift and Snowflake and different data warehouses that they continue using those products in addition to Firebolt. Okay. Firebolt lacks a lot of the kind of ancillary functionality, a lot of the large-scale data processing capabilities of Hmm. something like Snowflake, uh, whereas, you know, we're built for a write once, read a whole bunch of times uh, architecture. Got it. We, yep. we don't have right now row level updates and deletes. So if you need to make an update to a record, you need to drop a, a partition of data, which isn't that unusual in the traditional OLAP world. But people have gotten so used to Snowflake allowing things like that, that for some use cases, it's just required. But for those other use cases where they are doing the analytics, where it's immutable data or, or not frequently changing data, they can kind of peel off use cases and use Firebolt with those. We built kind of our business model to make that very easy. It's all pay-as-you-go, consumption-based. You don't have to sign a contract or anything. So kind of as Firebolt grows and encompasses more and more features, then you can grow the use cases and move more and more off. So we want to be very cost-effective for the use cases that we're really good at um, and then grow into the rest. Sure. Makes total sense. And... What t- do you have sort of a particular type of company, you know, or even industry that tends to adopt Firebolt because yeah. of the use cases? So we oftentimes see more cloud native organizations, you know, smaller companies that are comfortable with a SaaS data warehouse, that they're comfortable with the data leaving their, their walled garden, their VPC. And we also see companies that usually have large data sets. So ad tech data. Mm. Uh, gaming data, clickstream data, marketing data, all of these sorts of things that have huge volumes yep. of immutable data are really, you know, a natural fit for Firebolt. Yeah, super interesting. Okay, uh, uh, qu- personal question. What you've 
worked in and seen sort of firsthand, like a lot of data technologies, you're still working in data. What do you love most about it? You know, just from a personal level, or I mean, do you maybe like, you know, some of us get like oh, really boy. deep into a career. <laughs> it's like, Philosophy. you know, no going back. <laughs> you know, I, I think that I see huge potential in data. I think that everything in technology data is the thing that always provides value. I mean, knowing different programming languages and being able to work with data is immensely valuable, but data itself is something that is always going to, to be growing. It's always going to be around. So I think that there's unlimited opportunities for working in data. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And on the flip side, what do you like least about working with data or working in the data space? The thing, I think the thing I like least is any, anybody that kind of positions themselves as a answer to every question. If you are a system that is really good at doing massive data processing tasks like Spark, chances are very good that you're not going to be great at doing very fast key value lookups, for instance. So there's oftentimes a use case that is a good fit for a tool and use cases that are not a good fit for the tool. And understanding where those kind of good fit is, is very important. But having one product that says it serves every use case, I think is, is just unreasonable. And, you know, I don't want to. He's really the word I was just, I was literally going to say marketing is the worst part about working in data and I'm a marketer working in data, but I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I'm sure Firebolt Marketing is probably going to be listening to this podcast. So I wanted to dance around it a little oh, bit, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Other than Firebolt's amazing marketing team that I could not love more. Yeah. No, but I mean, I actually really appreciate the sort of transparency or, or honesty around saying like this is what we want to be and this is what we do excellently now i think that's really helpful and I, I mean i appreciate that and i think our listeners appreciate that too where you kind of know what you're getting as opposed to because you, you're totally right it's it's the like the disenfranchisement of you, you sort of look at the site you look at the product page you're like this is awesome you know the docs are a little sparse like let me try this and you're like oh right i know why the docs are sparse <laughs> Yeah, getting be honest, I mean, we, the industry is like at stage right now. It's like quite early, and there's a lot of innovation happening. So it's not like things change. Sure, from day to day. So it's not just it's not the market we have fault that it's not easy to communicate. It's, yeah, it's just that they know that the market is still trying to figure them out. So. Yep. I guess the, another thing that always kind of rubs me the wrong way is people that make statements based on like outdated information. You know, saying that whatever technology it is, is what it was five years ago. I still hear people saying that, like, they don't want to use Apache Druid because they write SQL. I'm like, you've been able to use SQL with Apache Druid for, you know, <laughs> almost five years, if not more. So I guess people should always be kind of reevaluating their preconceived notion about any technology mm -hmm. or any any company kind of as time goes on. Yeah, for sure. I think... We, we talked about that with a term like, you know, CDC, change data capture, right? And it, it sort of 
you know, there are country, companies doing really interesting things with it, right? Yeah. But it's not new, right? It's yeah. a really old technology, even though there are some new companies that there's some excitement around, but it's not like, yeah. you know, it's... I don't want to do CDC because then I have to put triggers in my database and it's going to put an additional <laughs> overhead. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing this for far too long, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Well... This has been so wonderful to have you on the show. Learned a ton about Firebolt. Casas, any last questions before we sign off? I mean, that was, has been great. Like, it's great that we learned more about the core technology. And before we, we end the show, tell us like something exciting that is coming in the near future. Oh, great question. I think streaming data coming to Firebolt is going to be huge. We are working on building in mutations so you can do those row level updates and deletes. I think that's going to open up a lot of new use cases for, for Firebolt customers. Our ecosystem team is, is booming. We're always adding new partners and new integrations into the system. So anytime we can get another partner and, you know, learn more about their product and cross sell and all of that, that, that always gets me very excited as well. You have also like a, I know love a great team. Yeah. You never know what's coming out of our marketing department. So that's always exciting. <laughs> you got to watch the marketers, especially when it comes to data. All right, Ben, thank you so much uh, for taking some time with us on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Here's one of my takeaways. You know, I, I'm trying to, we could probably count, we could definitely count on one hand the number of times that Hortonworks has come up on the show. You know, I mean, even the name Hortonworks sounds a little bit, you know, enterprisey. I mean, I guess it is enterprisey actually, but it was just interesting to hear about that. And my guess is that Hortonworks probably like play has played a bigger role in the data world than, you know, I think a lot of the content on our show necessarily gives it credit for. That's my takeaway. Also, the, the Hortonworks guy was actually from the East Coast out of Atlanta, which is interesting as well. So yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting to hear him talk a little bit about Hortonworks and kind of the work that he did there. And then, of course, like the Druid stuff is interesting. But what was your takeaway? I think one of the most interesting parts of the conversation was ClickHouse and how actually open source can fuel, let's say, the innovation in this space. And so it's, let's say, like a new state in the industry where instead of like considering that a database is just like a too risky thing to get to market, to actually get to a point where we can start building companies and products and iterate fast without the, the risk of the past for that. Something that happened a lot with SaaS in the past decade, for example, but if you want like to replicate this in, let's say, the data-related infrastructure, we need something similar, right? And it seems that open source, and it's not just ClickHouse, but I think that in this case, like, it's a very good example of how they took, like, the core part of this, they cloned the prod, built their own uh, query optimizer on top of it, changed, like, the query parser. I mean, they've done, like, a ton of work, but this work was done, like, on a very solid core that could uh, help them, like, accelerate the, the whole process of taking this product to the market, right? And this is needed. So I'm very excited about that, and I'm waiting to see, like, what other, like, products do something similar like this out there. There are examples like this in the database space. Like, we have Vitesse, for example, and PlanetScale, which is, like, based on that. Anyway, that was, like, probably one of the most, uh, like, interesting parts of the conversation of what really made, made me excited. All right. Great conversation. Several more shows for you from Data Council. So subscribe if you haven't, and we'll catch you on the next one. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Data Stack Show. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get notified about new episodes every week. We'd also love your feedback. You can email me, Eric Dodds, at eric at datastackshow.com. That's E-R-I-C at datastackshow.com. The show is brought to you by Rudderstack, the CDP for developers. Learn how to build a CDP on your data warehouse at rudderstack.com. Thank you.